A little girl came in one morning from the garden, and she had the stem of a rose in her hand that, that had some broken ragged petals uh, hanging off of it, and she walked in and asked her mom, she said, Mommy, she said, God opens the roses every day, and they're so beautiful, but every time I try to open them, I just break the rose, and, and look, look, at, this is what happens. How come I can't open the rose? And her mom was just amazed at the depth, uh, the wisdom behind the question. As the mother was thinking about how to answer her daughter, her daughter looked as she was contemplating and then spoke up and said, Oh, I know why I can't open the roses. Because God opens them from the inside. And that really is what the kingdom of God is all about. That's the message of the kingdom is that God brings the kingdom within us. He himself must open the kingdom of God within your life and within mine. That any attempt that we have to try to build the kingdom of God out there, to use education or the facilities of government or the power of man to try to construct the kingdom of God, to build the kingdom of God, always results in bruising people, in breaking people, in damaging people. But we're talking about the, the field of treasure out of Jesus' parable in Matthew 13, where Jesus said, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like a treasure that was hidden in a field, which a man found and then covered it up, and then for joy went and sold all that he had came again, bought that field. And the message that Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God is that the treasure and the field are inseparable. You cannot remove the treasure out of the field. You must buy the field to have the treasure. Well, the treasure is the wonderful salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the treasure. All the blessing that he brings to our life, everything that he does for us, but that treasure sits within a field. What is the field? It is, in Jesus' own words, the kingdom of God. In order to have Jesus as Savior, Jesus as healer, and all that he brings to our life, we must receive the field. In fact, we must sell all and relocate to the field. The fact that the man liquidated everything was not that you have to pay the price or the value of the treasure, but it's that you have to make room for the treasure. The kingdom of God is the room for the king. The kingdom is the domain of the king. And so the kingdom of God is Jesus' rule. His rule over our lives is the kingdom of God. And so the message is basic. The message is simple, is that it is non-negotiable, it is unchangeable. The fact of the kingdom of God is that it is impossible to possess Jesus the treasure without relocating to the field and living in his kingdom. So the question this morning is, what is the kingdom of God? And how do we live in the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is the sovereign reign of the eternal God and Savior King, Jesus Christ. So whenever you are submitting to him, you are in the kingdom of God. It is surrender and submission to Jesus Christ as king. Jesus is Lord. 
And so Jesus' message about the kingdom of God is it's impossible to be saved without Jesus being Lord of your life. He has to be the king of what you believe and how you think, the decisions you make in your life. You've relocated to the field. In fact, in order to make room for the kingdom of God, you've sold off all of your rights and expectations in the world. Even though you have a family and a job and own possessions in the world, and even though we live in this present world, when you have relocated to the kingdom, you've put everything about your life under the authority of Jesus Christ as king. And what makes a king different from a president is that a president is chosen and elected from among the people. But a king reigns by right, and especially God, the eternal king. The sphere of his sovereignty is eternity. And in the world upon the earth, the earth, the Bible says, is the Lord's, and all of the kingdoms and nations one day will be handed over to him. So all the fullness belongs to him. But in the kingdom of God, there are no elections. There's no evolving philosophies or changing morals. Uh, the I am is what is. And so the kingdom of God is ruled by the answer, not by the searching for questions, not by the trying to build um, build up the kingdom, but the kingdom exists. And so the kingdom of God is absolutely perfect in all of God's provisions. Everything is complete, and everything in the kingdom of God flows from the king. In the kingdom of God, unlike the kingdoms of the world, the kingdoms of the world, the king is presiding over land, over territory, and over people. But in the kingdom of God, our land is in Christ. The many mansions that Jesus spoke about when he said, in my father's house were many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. What he is saying, in my heart, there's room for you. I have a place for you in my heart. I have a place for you in my life. And that's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, the kingdom of heaven is within you. That's why the little girl couldn't open the rose. Because only God can open the kingdom from within. In Romans 4.17, the Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is different from righteousness, peace, and joy in the world. In fact, in the world, righteousness, peace, and joy are always temporary. They're never really completely secure. They're really more illusions that we pursue and try to obtain. And they elusively slip through our fingers. But in the kingdom of God, they are solid realities that are imparted to our life. And the Bible says the kingdom of God, that the realm of God's rule and reign over our life produces righteousness, peace, and joy in our life. Righteousness is not being correct. It's not rightness. Righteousness is standing forgiven in Christ. It's not being right in the world. There are people today that are trying to establish righteousness in the world by being right. But the fact is, is that true righteousness is a position, and it is when we stand forgiven before the Lord peace. Peace isn't when people agree with you. Peace is when you agree with God. 
peace is a position that Jesus brings into our life. You cannot forge peace in the world by getting consensus, making people agree with you. People will agree with the wrong things. You can have perfect unity around evil. You can have perfect unity around things that are going to change 10 years from now. But the true peace that is eternal is when we are living in agreement with God. You see, the kingdom of God is ruled by the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the answer to everything in the kingdom. Jesus is Lord. When we bow to his lordship, righteousness and peace come forth. We don't have to build it. We don't have to manufacture it. It's already, in fact, in the world you have to fight to obtain peace and then you have to fight to maintain peace because there are always forces that want to take that peace away from you. But in the kingdom of God, the battle has already been fought. And Jesus, the king, has sat down on the throne of glory, and he is the prince of peace forever. Joy, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy isn't when you get what you want. Happiness is based on happenings. But joy is something much more profound. It settles our heart. It brings a sense of belonging, a sense of I know where I stand, I know where I am. And joy doesn't happen when you get what you want. Joy happens when God gets you. And so the Lord has been after some of you. God has been pursuing you and you've been evading him. While you chase the things in the world that you think make you happy, the Lord is pursuing you, trying to bring joy into your life. You're starving for joy and you're reaching for happiness to try to fulfill that joy. You need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. When they came to Jesus and they asked him about the kingdom of God, he knew what they were thinking. They were thinking in worldly terms and they were thinking that Jesus was going to come and make the world good for them and make the world right for them. But the fact is, Jesus knew that he was bringing a concept that would rattle their world and challenge them. And he had to find a way to explain the kingdom to them. And so he talked about the field with the treasure that was in it. And he explained to them in the simple, short little parable, the great treasure that you seek comes with a field. It's called the kingdom of God. If you want the benefits of Jesus the king, you must worship him as a king, which means he has lordship over your life. So the kingdom of God, Hebrews talks about the kingdom of God. In the Bible it says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a consuming fire. You see, the kingdom of God is unmovable. It's unshakable. It can't be moved because all of the elements in the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, healing and deliverance, all of the blessings, all of the benefits that God has given to us in our life are complete and they are immovable. They are not things that God is working on. They are things that are absolutely complete in Him. As you see Jesus traveling from village to village, 
you never see him uh, being confronted by people who were possessed by devils or out of their mind or were um, uh, eaten up with leprosy or blind or crippled. You never see him struggling or making an effort to heal them. Every time they were healed, every time they were delivered, Jesus used something different. Not effort. He used authority. It was the exercise of his lordship by which people were healed. It was the moving of Jesus' lordship that drove demons out of possessed people, that made the skins and the, the organs that had been deteriorated by cancers and um, leprosy to be reconstituted and miraculously healed. After all, he had made us. He was the one who fashioned us. He rolled Adam up out of a kind of like a clay figure out of red clay and then breathed into him the breath of life and animated Adam. So for us, we have to build whatever we want. We have to grab those flowers and try to open them up. But God uses authority, and that's the difference. The kingdom of God is an act of his love through his authority. So when we come to Jesus, he says, you must receive me as the authority of eternal life. You must know that when you come to me, I require you, sell off the world. Leave it behind. You're not going to lack. You're going to gain everything. All that you are has been waiting for you to come and be realized. In fact, God made and created you to have authority, to be in his image and likeness. Have you ever noticed that authority never works unless you really have it? When you tell your children, I, I don't want you to do that. Uh, I need you to clean your room. And they don't do it. And they won't do it. What do you do? Then you've got to come up with some, well, I'm, I'm going to beat you if you don't do it. Uh, whatever works. You start thinking, well, I'm going to make you stand in the corner. Um, you, you have to come up now with ways of making something happen because your authority isn't working. But when people are standing in the authority of God, there's no, there's no effort. There's no struggling. There's no trying. They simply speak what God says to say, and God acts through his word as they speak it. That's what the Lord is saying to us. I want you to come into my kingdom. I want you to be a man and a woman who has authority in this life. I want to restore what the devil has stolen. Rather than you struggling through life, struggling, breaking yourself down, getting old, wearing out, trying to make things happen, come and rest in me. Every good thing that you need, I'm willing to do for you. You're going to get old. You're going to get worn out. I, I have no comment. But, but the reality is that eternal life springs within you. Your soul never wears out. And you aren't approaching that day when you graduate from this life with trepidation and fear and, and oh my gosh, it's all going to be over and I haven't done everything I wanted to do. You are sprinting 
to that door with joy and excitement because you're about to be liberated from these confines and restrictions and you're about to burst into eternity and be everything that God created you to be. On the other side of that door, you are still Glenn Hahn, David Hahn. You are still Kaylee Diarmis. You are still John and Barbara Wilkes. You are still the person God created you to be, but you burst into the fullness. Are you a, are you a, a, are you a bit of a comical person? Do you enjoy laughing? Boy, you're going to laugh for eternity. You're, all of that characteristic that God put in you is going to be, is going to be, do you, are you a scientist at heart, deep down inside? You're, you just live every day to discover things around you and figure things out and you're an inventor. Oh my gosh, eternity is waiting for you to create and to build and to discover. The Bible says, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has provided for them that love him. The kingdom of God is the realm and the sphere that we were created to live in. So Jesus said, when you receive me as Savior, you must do it by receiving me as Lord. We receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. So the kingdom of God arises within us, not through the outer struggle of trying to break the rose open, but through the inner worship of lifting up our God and letting that life just rise. If the same spirit, the Bible says, that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken your mortal bodies. In Psalm 46, 9 and 10 says that God brings an end to wars throughout the earth. He shatters the bow and breaks the spear. He burns shields with fire. He says, stop your striving and recognize that I am God. And I will be exalted over the nations. I will be exalted over the earth. What a word for the world that we are living in today. The king is coming. Jesus is going to return. Which brings me to the next point that I want to make about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is now, but the kingdom of God is also yet to come. When Jesus Christ, the king, was born in a manger and came into the world, when he rose out of the tomb, having laid his life down to procure our salvation and to make us sons and daughters of the living God, the kingdom of God was brought into the world. The king brought the kingdom. The whole message of, from John the Baptist through Jesus and on to the apostles, the whole message of the New Testament is the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said, if I am casting out devils, then the kingdom of God has come to you. And so we have both the reality that the kingdom of God is here, but we also have the reality that the kingdom of God is yet to come. For example, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should cast seed into the ground. When we put seed into the ground, it initiates what's called a process. The seed breaks open, it grows, sprouts, develops into a mature plant that produces fruit, and at the harvest, that fruit is taken and it is produced into food. 
And so what begins as a seed eventually becomes what it was meant to be, becomes this glorious food that uh, meets our needs. And so Jesus said, that's what the kingdom of God's like. It's planted as a seed. It grows in a process until it comes to full maturity. But then again, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus also said, as he looked ahead to, I believe, the day that we are beginning to enter into, and the nations rising up against nations in the time of conflict and woe coming on the earth, and the, uh, the world um, is uh, beginning to come to the end of the age. Jesus said, when you see these signs and when you see these things taking place, know that the kingdom of God is near. So Jesus talked about the kingdom of God yet not fully coming. It was near at the end. So when we look at 6,000 years of human history, what we're looking at is that, that period of 4,000 years between Adam and the birth of Christ and the world was most certainly the kingdom of darkness. Darkness ruled the face of the earth. Man rebels against God and he plunges the world into darkness under the dominion of Satan. But then the light comes into the world and the kingdom of God is planted like a seed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then as Jesus rises from the dead, those seeds are now planted in everyone who receives him as Lord. The kingdom, the seed of the kingdom is planted in the hearts of men. So we, what we have now is we have a time in this present world where the kingdom of God is overlapping with the kingdom of darkness. There's an overlapping period of time and we're living in it right now. Some call it the age of grace and that's certainly appropriate. It is the age between the time that Jesus first inserted the kingdom into the world and the time when he will return as king to take possession of the earth and the kingdoms of the world and the nations will be given to him and the earth will become the sovereign, the sovereign place of the kingdom of God. Jesus will rule and reign over everything. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. And so... Between the time where the kingdom is sown and the kingdom is fully realized, this period of grace, if you will, this overlapping period of history is the period that you and I live in. And so what we see is we see that the promises of God have been given. The kingdom of God is given. God hasn't held anything back. All the promises of God, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10, are in Jesus, yes, and amen. So all that Jesus promised is offered to us immediately right now. The kingdom of God is here at hand. But in this present period, it must be received and appropriated by faith. For example, 1 Peter 2.24 says, with Jesus' stripes, you were healed. And he uses the past tense of that word. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, already had borne stripes the healer rose up by receiving him as Savior. You have access to him as healer. So by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. That's a reality. But the fact is, even though the promise of healing is given to us, we still get sick, don't we? How do you explain that? It's two conflicting kingdoms occupying the same space on earth at the same time. God also promised peace. Jesus said in John chapter 14, 
My peace I give with you, peace I leave you. Not as the world gives, I give you an inner peace, a lasting peace. And yet we still worry, don't we? We still enter into strife. We still break down, even though peace is ours. So what I'm simply saying to you is this, is that when we have bought the field and we are living in the kingdom of God, we do so in the midst of the kingdom of darkness. And there is constant skirmishes along the borderlines of these two kingdoms. The Christian who has bought the field lives under constant tension between the world of darkness and the kingdom of light. And so we fight the fight of faith to lay hold of promises that one day will be the law of the land. See, with his stripes we were healed is a promise of God right now in his kingdom that must be appropriated by faith. But one day it will be the law of the land. There will be no sickness. There will be no need for healing because the kingdom will have fully come. Can you say amen? Now let me, bring this, uh, let me bring this around to a conclusion. What is the reason why there should be overlapping period? Why should the kingdom of God exist at the same time the kingdom of darkness exists in the world? The reason is this, is that before Jesus comes to set up his kingdom, and when his kingdom is set up, there will be no tolerance of rebellion. There'll be no tolerance of error, no lies will be tolerated. No deception, no lust, no rebellion. All rebellion will be put down. Satan will have been bound and cast into the pit. And at that time, if the Lord were to take possession of a world full of rebellious sinners, they wouldn't last very long. But the Bible says God so loved the world that he sent his son at least 2,000 years before that kingdom would fully be established in the earth to give the earth a period, a long period of grace where the light of his kingdom could be shown, could be extended. Righteousness, peace, and joy could be extended through people like you and I who are living our lives in the field so that sinners could come in by the tens of thousands, by the millions, into his kingdom. So that when his kingdom comes, there'll be millions of people throughout the world who have heard the gospel and who are children of the kingdom. And the reason this is important is exactly why Jesus said to Nicodemus, when Nicodemus, the teacher, came to Jesus at night and said, well, um, how do I see the kingdom of God? How do we enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus replied and said, I assure you, no man can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. You see, the kingdom of God is also a family. Unlike any other kingdom that's ever existed on the earth, God's kingdom is a family. All the subjects of the kingdom of God are brothers and sisters, every single one of them. 
and all of them are princes and princesses under the king. And so Jesus rules over a family. Jesus rules over people that he has a familial love and connection with. And so the reason for this period, the reason why you and I have to go through trials and struggle, the reason why the Apostle Paul said, through much tribulation, we must enter the kingdom of God. Why we are going through this at this time is so that just like you at some point when you were in darkness, the light of God through some Christian fell across your path. And somehow or another, God began to open that rose that had been bruised, that rose that you had tried to open in your own strength many times before in your own life, all of a sudden began to bloom from within. That happened because the kingdom of God is here without Jesus physically forcing his lordship over the earth. How many people would be lost in a flash of a second if Jesus were to arrive right now and his lordship be forced over the earth? Because he loves us, he holds back so that grace can have its work. Do you understand that the Bible says God is light and in him is no darkness. Darkness cannot stand in the light. What does light do to darkness? Darkness becomes a memory. It simply ceases to exist. It's gone. And the human race, the Bible says, lies in the darkness of wickedness. And the Lord is trying to call the world to himself. Let me tell you that this, this is the answer to all the struggles that are happening in our homes, in our streets, in our elections, in our government. We are trying to open a rose that only God can open from the inside called the kingdom of God. But Jesus, the Bible says, demonstrated his love for us in Romans 5 and 8 that while we were still sinners, Christ died. It was his love that kept him from coming as a king to insert his kingdom. Instead, he came as a suffering servant, as the Lamb of God offered for our sins, with the intention of giving hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for the civilizations of the world in their evolving and changing to receive the gospel until it had filtered out into all of the world and every culture had been saturated with the message of the gospel so that people could make a choice, buy the field, take the treasure, buy the field, receive the treasure. The greatness of God's love, and with this I close, the greatness of God's love wasn't demonstrating that he could keep man from rebelling, but the greatness of God's love is demonstrated in that he can redeem us out of our rebellion. It wasn't that he could keep Adam from turning against him. It was that he could save the sons of Adam after they had fully rebelled against him. That is that amazing grace that we sing about. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'd like you to stand with me this morning.